What I'm saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. This is the word of God. Well, good morning. What time is it? What time is it is the question that's most asked, one of the most asked questions uh, in, 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 in our society. And as we near the new year, it'll be asked over and over again as we count down the, uh, the, 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 the hours, the minutes, even the seconds to the turn of the new year. And of course, what time is it has a profound meaning, not only chronologically, but also spiritually. What time is it in your life, in my life? And this morning, we find ourselves at the turn of the year, in that, that funny space um, that some people call Twixmas. Um, and the new year uh, has, is coming, and uh, we, what is it going to be like for us? I mean, what's it going to be like for you? Is it going to be out with the old and in with the new? Or is it going to herald just more of the same old stuff again this year? And w- what about staying up? Are you going to stay up to wait till midnight, till Big Ben strikes this first gong of midnight? Or are you going to go to bed early and miss the magical moment and just wake up in 2020? What time is it? And what time is it for us? Will we have missed the magic moment? That's the question at the heart of today's reading. In fact, there are two questions at the heart of it. The first is, what time is it? And second, have we missed the magic, the miraculous moment of Christ's coming? So over the next few minutes, I'd like to uh, explore with you what time it is spiritually in your life, in my life, And whether we have missed God's miraculous moment or whether it is still to come into our lives. But before we do that, let's just pray for a moment. So Heavenly Father, once again this morning, we ask that you open our hearts, open our minds, that we may hear, that we may receive uh, your word. And if you have something to say to us personally, may we not miss it this morning. Today, we find ourselves, I said, in this odd space between New Year, um, between Christmas and New Year. Christmas is over, and once again we've heard uh, and sung about and maybe even acted out uh, the age-old Christmas story over and over again. And away from the manger, many of us, maybe even most of us, were caught up in the frenzy of Christmas-related activities. It can feel, can't it, as if 
a whole year's shopping and decorating and wrapping and giving of presents and receiving of presents and cooking and, and partying and eating and drinking have all been conflated into a few short days, maybe a week or two. And now, here we are again in this peculiar in-between space with some of us feeling elated but some others of us feeling decidedly deflated. But what time is it? In verse 4 of our reading, Paul says, When the set time had fully come, God sent his Son. Other translations say, Just at the right time, God sent his Son. This was a miraculous moment in history that God, when God chose to break through into this human world, when heaven met earth, when an invisible, unknowable, mysterious God became visible and knowable in the form, in the bodily form of his son, Jesus Christ, who came into our world to rescue us. But the miracle of that moment didn't just stop over 2,000 years ago. It continues today as countless believers through the centuries testify that just at the right moment in their lives, Jesus broke in, God broke in, and touched with his holiness, touched our worldliness. So we too can be caught up in the miracle of that moment. Many Christians through the ages have testified that the the miracle of that moment, of that special right moment happened uh, during Christmas time. It came at Christmas. It is at Christmas that they experienced that wonderful moment when the fatherhood of God and the presence of the living Lord Jesus became tangible, became real to them. And I wonder whether this Christmas, when, whether this Christmas you too experience that miracle of the moment. Was this God's appointed just the right moment for you when you got a glimpse of heaven and encountered deeply the love of God? Are you this morning basking um, in the glow of one who, for whom this Christmas marked a turning point in your spiritual life? When the newborn baby Jesus, who's always been out there, suddenly was reborn in here, in your heart. Maybe this was the first Christmas that you ever grasped what the Apostle Paul means when he says that there's a freedom that comes from discovering that your primary identity is that of a son or daughter of the living God. And that what really matters is not who you are, but whose you are. And Paul uses two powerful images, images that would have meant so much to those first century readers of his letter to the Galatians, highlighting the difference of life without Christ and life with Christ. He uses first the image of a slave and secondly the image of a a child uh, under the authority and control of a guardian. Both of these represented unfreedom, bondage of some sort. And Paul contrasts this with the freedom that is enjoyed by those 
who have been adopted into God's family. Once you've been accepted, you become with Christ. Once you've accepted Jesus into your heart, you become with him a son or a daughter of God. And you say, now I see it. I'm no longer a slave. I'm a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to shame and guilt. I'm no longer a slave to the bad decisions I've made in my past. I'm no longer a slave to doubt and fear. I'm no longer a slave to the expectations of other people. I'm no longer a slave to the, 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 the patterns and thought patterns and living, living types, the li life, lifestyles of those around me. I can look at God and I can see not a stern judge, but a loving father, maybe the father I never had on this earth. And maybe our just right in time, just at the right time moment, didn't come this year. Uh, maybe you missed it. Uh, well, don't despair. <laughs> Because just as, as we can sleep through midnight, uh, we can also sleepwalk our way through Christmas and miss that moment. And if Jesus wasn't reborn in you this Christmas, then don't lose heart because God isn't bound by high days and holidays. He can touch your heart and make that wonderful moment happen to you at any time of the year, right now, if he wishes. But then there are those of us who have received him and then lost him again. How did that happen? Well, the parable of Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus' parable of the seed, um, the sower and the seed, uh, shows how some of us receive, receive Jesus with great joy and um, then our spiritual life just kind of withered, um, maybe through neglect of prayer, maybe through neglect of reading God's word, maybe through neglect of seeking fellowship with other Christians. Or maybe we never even unwrapped the gift that we received. Our, our caretaker on the estate where we live um, tells me that every Christmas the bin men have a bonanza as they find many, many presents that have unintentionally been discarded, thrown away with all the, the Christmas paper and wrappings and stuff. And uh, as I thought of that image of un, unused, unpacked, un, unopened presents, I thought of the image of, uh, that I heard it, uh, uh, during a, a, a service, a church, a, a service of, of, of uh, a baptism. At baptism, we are brought into God's family and we became adopted sons and daughters of God. Then at confirmation, God gave us his Holy Spirit, or in the words of verse 6 of today's reading, God sent his spirit into the spirit of his son into our hearts. But sadly, we then slipped back into our old ways, leaving his gift on the, on the shelf, never unpacking them, uh, never releasing the power 
that has been given to us. Now, if that's you, then my prayer for you this year is that this may be the season when you take possession of the gifts that God has given you and that are rightly yours. But now I just need to say a few words for those who are afflicted by post, the post-Christmas letdown. Now, no doubt, some of us here are not doing too well this morning. Maybe you feel a bit guilty about Christmas cards that you should have sent and didn't. Maybe you're disappointed that the, the longed-for harmony um, in your family at Christmas didn't quite materialize. Maybe your Christmas was overshadowed by illness or bereavement or some sort of loss, maybe the absence of loved ones. Or maybe you just feel a bit weighed down, I mean, literally weighed down by overindulging over Christmas and feeling a bit bad about yourself. But what matters is not how you feel about yourself, but how God feels about you. In our reading, Paul reminds us in verse 3 that when we, ha- when we are in Christ, we're no, no longer subject to the elemental spiritual forces of this world. And we know where those elemental spiritual forces come from. And we know which of those elemental spiritual forces hold us back and hold us down and prevent us from being the people that God destined us to be. And we know in our heart of hearts that there's very little that we can do in our own strength to overcome those elemental spiritual forces. As the turn of the year approaches, ask the Lord to give you his perspective on your life to show you what you are worth, not in measured by your standards or the world's standards, but measured by his standards, remembering whose you are not who you are, namely a child of our Father in heaven, someone intended, destined to reflect his image, the one that he gave his son for, who died on the cross so that you could be adopted into this family, so that you could fulfill your destiny of shining the light of Christ in you into this dark world. And that brings us to New Year's Eve and New Year's resolutions. What time is it in your life as we approach 2020? If you think about it, New Year's feels different from all other celebrations, doesn't it? I mean, it's different from birthdays and anniversaries because it doesn't actually celebrate anything. It lacks the hope of Christmas and the joy of Easter. It's never mentioned in the Bible. It's a, a peculiar event that has pagan origins that simply marks the end of one year and the beginning of the next. As a result, much of our raucous partying um, is artificial. It feels it's tinged with sadness very often. And sometimes we we attempt to hold back the darkness of the world by, with all the fireworks and the jollity, which is so false, really. But that doesn't stop many of us making New Year's resolutions. I mean, apparently in the UK, 
60% of us make New Year's resolutions, promising that we will do better next year, promising ourselves that we will do better next year than we did last year. And we know how well that turns out, don't we? 80% of, uh, of the, the, the resolutions, New Year's resolutions made are broken by January the 3rd. Only 8% of the New Year's resolutions made actually last for three months or more. And maybe that's because most New Year's resolutions are made to ourselves. With ourselves, not God, as the focus. According to research, um, the the top top ten resolutions include uh, eat less and exercise more, spend less and save more, uh, watch less TV and read more books, um, give up a bad habit and acquire a new good habit or skill, um, find a better job, find a better home. And then right at the bottom of the list of the top ten comes spend more time with family and friends. Sad, isn't it? And now there's nothing intrinsically wrong with wanting to be fitter or more prosperous or having a better home or any of that. What is wrong, if there is anything wrong, is that it's, it's all about the self. But what is even more wrong is that it utterly, that New Year's resolutions on the whole depend utterly on our own efforts and not and success depends on our own will and not on God's help. I said that the New Year celebrations uh, are not in the Bible, but their origin is found in, in pagan religious practices. The first recorded um, celebration of New Year's Eve on the 1st of January was in ancient Rome in 46 BC under Julius Caesar, And the month of January had a special significance to the Romans. Um, It was named after the the god Janus. And Janus was a two-headed god who could simultaneously look back at last year and forward to the next. And the Romans offered sacrifices to Janus for the sins they committed last year and promised him that they would be very good in the year ahead. Now, over the centuries, actually, surprisingly, Christians have taken on um, marking the new year, but they've done it by uh, by using it as a time of repentance for past sins and for renewing their commitment to Christ. Then, in 1740, John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, initiated the covenant renewal service. It's sometimes called the watch night service to be held on New Year's Eve. Now, originally, the watch night service was intended as a spiritual alternative to the craziness of the traditional New Year celebrations. Today, watch night services are held in many uh, churches, mainly um, evangelical churches, and especially in African churches. But you and I don't actually need a, a watch night service or a special service to, to use New Year's Eve, New Year, as a time to reflect on what God has done in our lives 
and what we could have done better and praying for that which is ahead. A time perhaps for thanking him for the blessings of the past year, if it was a tough year, for thanking him for bringing us through all those trials and tribulations. If it was a good year, just thanking him for his ongoing fruitfulness and blessing in our lives. I'd like to conclude by once again saying that the Bible makes no mention of New Year's or New Year's resolutions, but it has plenty, absolutely so much to say about the seasons, seasons of our life, uh, of God as, as the Lord of time, of our time, and, of, uh, and how God has placed us in a specific time space in history in order to know and love and serve him and know and love and serve those that he sends into our lives to be a blessing in our generation. And if today you feel that you've um, squandered away some of your God-given time, God-given life, then it's not too late. In fact, this is the time to consecrate the remainder of your life, your time on earth, to the one, the only one, who can redeem the years that the locusts have eaten. In his eyes, what you did in the past and how you spent the past is much less important than what you do in the future. So what time is it? Well, it's the first day of the rest of your life, and the wisdom of this world will only take you so far. What you need, what we all need, is the wisdom of God. So let the year 2020, let the beginning of the year 2020, be the time when we seek his face, seek his will, and seek the, the wisdom, not only the wisdom of God, but the power of his Holy Spirit. And let's not miss our personal, individual, just at the right time moment when it comes. One of the tragedies is that when Jesus came to earth, so many people, even the Jewish leaders who'd been waiting and watching for the Messiah to come, failed to understand what was happening before their very eyes. And this, and his call to you, God's call to you this year, is not a call to more busyness, more activity, but a call to greater discernment, a call to use your time doing the things that matter most to him, doing the things that will lead to a fulfilled life, a purpose-driven life, a life that has values that will last forever. God sent his son into the world at just the right time. And our reading this morning reminds us that when Jesus is born or reborn in your heart, he will, you will no longer be under the elemental forces, those spiritual forces that have held you down for so long. My prayer for all of us as we approach this new year, 2020, is that Jesus will be born, reborn in each of our hearts. And we will be able to say, to say that Christ is in me and I am in him. And then those words on the screen will have a special personal meaning. And we'll be able to say, as Paul does in Corinthians, 
from the heart, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new is here. Amen.